treat it completely transactionally, the easiest path is just to not think of you ever, not to even worry about it and just completely forget and move on. So the other thing here that we're labeling as selling, but like really it's, it's about behavior change. You're getting somebody to do something different from what they did yesterday. Yesterday they didn't use your product, you want them to use your product today. So why are they going to change? And risk is definitely, you have to give them a reason to do it. So yesterday they didn't think of you, today you want them to think of you. Hi friends, welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Thor Ernstson. Thor is the founder and CEO of Strata. And in our conversation today, Thor and I are talking about the importance and the value of your professional network. And we dig into why sellers need to change their perspective on their networks, you know, this collection of people that you're connected with. And first we explore why sellers need to focus on building their network. And then Thor and I dive into why sellers need to consider their network as an asset a personal asset, an asset that produces a certain return for them. And then Thor shares why sellers need to increase the value of that asset and the steps that every seller can take to do just that. So we dig into this and much, much more. But before we get to Thor, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could leave us a review and give us your feedback about how we're doing. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Thor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Good to be here. It's great to see you. So uh, we're sort of proximate neighbors, I guess. We're both in Manhattan. Close enough. Close enough, right? Especially, even though we're, we're both locked in, in Zoom jail at the moment. So, uh, Yeah, I've been getting out a little bit. A little bit. Um, I'm not eating indoors yet, but yeah, we didn't, like we ate, it. <laughs> we ate it. the original Shake Shack last night in Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Park, excuse me. Um, so it was nice to get out, and there are a lot of people around. So, yeah, getting out some. Pre, pre, uh, <clears throat> or thought of COVID before it was a thing. I think it's probably the best COVID-friendly restaurant around. Yeah. Well, I was, I was uh, with you know our daughters and son-in-law and and so on, and it was um, yeah, we we're telling the story. I remember, gosh, you know, when it first first opened there. So we'd spend an hour in line to, uh, to get Shake Shack. So anyway, <laughs> so, uh, well, tell us a little bit about Strata and what you guys do. Yeah, happy to. So the core of what we do is really help people build more authentic relationships, which as we were just chatting about is a bit of a, a mixed word in a professional setting these days. But- <sighs> I know. Yeah. We got the, the relationship uh, I don't know what we'd call them that, uh, you know, seem to have a hard time understanding exactly what a relationship means yeah, and yeah. that have, have sort of polluted the use of the word, but, uh, relationship is, are at the core of everything we do. That's right. And, and I've started a handful of companies, uh, some successful, most not. And, um, in those, it's always the same exercise of like, who do I know that's doing something in the space? And then who do we know collectively that's a, you know, part of the organization? And how do we figure out not just who those people are, but how to engage them in a conversation and, and learn more about how they see the problem in the space? And, and then eventually something comes out of it that, that may be worth building a company around or maybe not. 
Mm-hmm. So it's really all around what we call customer discovery and customer development. But, but really, it's leaning on your network to, to understand who's closer to the problem than you are and how do you figure out not just to talk to them when you need something, but to keep it going, to actually have a, a meaningful relationship where you know stuff about them, they know stuff about you, and you're you know, staying in touch and things like that, that used to work kind of organically through conferences and through random events, random social things. I, I remember I remember those things, conferences. Were, yeah. yeah, they were a thing back in the day. Right. Was, we would see other people in real life, and, and like it was frustrating because – I would see people in Europe or California that live, just like we talked about, up the street, and we'd never meet up in New York. Mm-hmm. But I'd see them every year, or twice a year even, based on the circuit. Um, and we'd always say the same thing. It's like, ah, oh, shit, we should really have caught up. Should have gotten that beer or coffee. Let's make right. sure to do it this year. And then a year passes, and you're back in you know, Europe or wherever, and like, ah, oh, we, we dropped the ball again. Let's do it this year. Right. So... What I found is uh, there's just a lot of people with that problem, and it's not just in sales, but certainly does impact salespeople. It's really like anybody that either is an executive or is dealing with executives where they're public-facing, they meet hundreds if not thousands of people, they walk out of a conference with a stack of business cards, they want to stay in touch, but it's just there's too much friction too high of a hurdle. It's too much. Like there's too many spreadsheets and list of names and stacks of cards and all these things that get in the way. So they just don't do anything. Right? And I'm as guilty of it as, as the next person. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. So you call Strata the operating system for your professional network. So, so tell us how it works and, and how you help people stay in touch. Yeah. So what we, the first thing we do is analyze all these relationships and actually build them kind of from scratch. So we look at your email, your calendar, and a few other things. And LinkedIn. then figure out... What's that? Do you look at LinkedIn as well? Not really. We found LinkedIn to be not that high of a signal. So being connected on LinkedIn is, is fine, but it doesn't really mean you know the person. And uh, But okay. if you talk to them regularly for 10 years, it does mean you know them. And True. So well, I'm, I'm just inserting this is my LinkedIn inboxes. I can envision in two years, that's my inbox. You think so? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I just throw that out there. But yeah, that's, um, that is interesting. So, I mean, obviously, all these all these tools are converging on on uh, effectively a version of chat. You know, right. Salesforce and Slack being probably the biggest example, but Microsoft Teams, Microsoft owns LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So there'll be there'll be some some um, follow through there with a time together eventually. But regardless, the the problem is still the same. So we we analyze all these things and and build up your network for you. And then based on when you have traditionally been talking to somebody or seeing somebody, if it starts falling off, then we'll make a recommendation. So that's one specific example. There's about 200, 250 heuristics for when to reach out to somebody and why. And then um, it'll do things like a couple of weeks after this, I'll get a reminder. It's like, oh, maybe you should ping Andy. Is there something you meant to close the loop on? Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Or if I make an introduction to a, another podcast guest, I'll get a notification saying, oh, check in to see if it was helpful. Hmm. So sort of these things that we all want to do, right? but they're just too manual. They're too, um, honestly, just too much of a pain in the ass. So in my, my last job as a CEO of a, an enterprise SaaS company, 
um, teams of people that were effectively doing this. And it's still an unbelievable, unbelievably time-consuming and manual task of tracking lists of people, lists of introductions, who's going to be in L.A. when I'm there, who do I need to see, who's going to be at this conference, who do I need to find there, so on and so forth. And, uh, and really, it's a trivial problem for a computer. It's like a really, really easy problem, actually. <laughs> the hard part is maybe some of the more nuanced NLP stuff, but the off-the-shelf like AI toolkits are, are quite powerful and um, and like more than more than capable of handling I'd say 90% of the use cases so if I'm looking at a list not of 5,000 people but 50 people mm-hmm. all of a sudden it becomes a lot more manageable now I can see this and oh that person that person that person no I just talked to this person oh shit I really needed to have talked to this person last year before we were fundraising but now now it's too late so let me at least send the note so that you can start sort of building up. You know, some people call it relationship capital. There's a right. few people that in our audience that write books on on those kinds of things and like figuring out how do you actually invest in your network. Right. And in our case, what we found talking to a few hundred executives uh, when we were evaluating if this is a business we're going to build or not was that <clears throat> the most common thing is they all wanted to give back. You right. get to a certain point and you want to be helpful to your network. Right. It's not about what you can get. It's about how you can help people that are that you're close to and how you can give back to them in some way. And it could be the, the smallest gesture. It could literally just be like send a quick introduction to somebody or just check in to see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. And they want to do it, but they don't. Right. So – just to make sure I understand is so what which software does is is <clears throat> take signals from a certain number of places email does it do slack as well or currently it's email and calendar we do have email and calendar. Okay. we do ingest uh, third party data through there's all these data enrichment tools clear Bitfall contact right data labs and others that do give us a proxy to LinkedIn um, not your connections but your but your connections statuses and updates and things like that right. Um, we will eventually do uh, other sort of more chat-like things, but today what we found is even things that are relatively speaking offline, like if you're texting with somebody, mm-hmm. it almost always winds up in a calendar. So between those two data sources, we get just about everything we need. And we okay. can infer that you chatted somewhere else. And presumably if you're working in the same company, then sure it's Slack or something else. But if you're not working in the same company, it's probably not Slack, right? It's text or it's something else. Yeah, I mean, Slack, I'm thinking in my case, you know, we're having a Slack-based community, in oh. which case, you know, people are in there. But, um, and so, like I said, it's just mining that, and then it's just, as I said, providing recommendations for you. Hey, it's about time you got in touch with someone. Um, you were saying, talking about, you give the example of going to a conference, so it doesn't necessarily have visibility yet into who's going to be at that conference necessarily. We did no, we do have integrations like that too because we did okay. actually start with that angle. Um, Got it. But what we found is that's really helpful for salespeople. But it's, which is obviously <laughs> this audience, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, but when it comes to like people you already know uh, on the conference side, we look at we look at three things. It's People that you talked to about meeting up there. So like mm-hmm. 
and I look forward to seeing you at X. Right. Right. X is coming up. And there we go. Um, people that live there, assuming you're traveling to it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then lastly, people you saw last time you were there. Got it. So we'll look at events that are similar in, in uh, the same place. And if last time you were in Chicago, you saw somebody, then that goes on a list. And that's really the two core features are recommendations and lists. So we give you a list of people and maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but at the very least it's helpful. Right. Okay. And then that's your starting point. And then you just start crossing people off. You're like, I'll, I'll reach out to Andy when I travel 40 blocks mm-hmm. north, and, uh, and we can get a coffee outdoors. Or if I'm in San Diego, because now if that, if that has been in an email, then, you know, then that would be the context here. And, right. and it could be as simple as like, you know, because we've talked about it and I'm going, it may not even be about meeting up. It may just be like, I'm going there. Sure. What do you recommend I do? Right. Very cool. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about networks because, you know, this is, again, we talked about sort of how relationship in some instances people are trying to infer there's a, something bad about relationships in sales. And mm-hmm. I think network sort of falls into the same category mm-hmm. a little bit, right? Is, is I think salespeople need to change their perspectives on their networks and what, what this means. Because as you talked about before, it's the example you gave for the one gentleman was, was, and I look at the same way, this is an asset Mm -hmm. and, but not an asset that's all about getting right. It's, it's multiple perspectives. So I just want to sort of walk through that because I think it's really helpful for sellers. Cause most of them, when you think about network, they think about, Oh, networking is, Oh, I'm going to go to these, you know, an event, you know, pre-pandemic, we'd go to an actual <laughs> event in person. They're coming back. You know, the conferences are happening now, so people, it's going to happen again. And people sort of look at these things with dread. And networking and building your network aren't necessarily related. Right. Exactly. Especially when you talk about strengthening the relationships. Right. Building your network might be meeting new people, but chances are you already know a lot of people. And if you're like prospecting and trying to break into a new industry, sure, you gotta you gotta meet a lot of new people. But in many cases, the deals that I've seen, the most successful deals that I've seen, and these are larger ticket items where where the relationships really do matter. Um, you know, the deals happen obviously because of the value of whatever it is that you're selling. But in vast majority of cases, there's competitors and there's other products you could use instead. So why is somebody going to pick yours over them? And it may be the, you know, you have like a rock solid ROI case where it's just like completely the best product on the market. Or it might be that your relationship is what carries you through and the person wants to work with you. And the person wants to actually not just get your product deployed because it helps them, but they want to help you by getting the deal done. And then you need to understand as the seller that there's relationships that that person, that the buyer, uh, has to leverage too. The internal politics mm-hmm. and dynamics of getting anything sold and anything done. Right. Uh, it's really all about relationships. So regardless of what the product is, regardless of what the offering is. So. Yeah, and, and I mean we're really we're talking about this idea of <laughs> earlier, and I, again because I people they hear relationship and they get all freaky about it, thinking that you know. Yep. It's a, it's a friendship. We're not talking about a friendship. We're talking about the way you're connected with someone yep. and, and the value you're bringing to that connection. 
and um, or perhaps the value somebody can offer you, as you said, somebody in their larger network. Um, mm-hmm. So this idea of building a network, if you're a seller, is I go back to what we talked about a little bit earlier. Is this is an asset, right? You need to think about this as something that you're you're developing and cultivating, just as that gentleman had. A spreadsheet that he's tracked throughout yep. his career. This is something now, especially you can use tools like LinkedIn and other places, is, is that you can build and strengthen throughout your career. This is an asset you're bringing with you. It shouldn't be devalued if you leave one job and go to another or whatever. This is, this is something, this is a, a strategic move on your part to start building this asset. Exactly. And one of the, one of the, the key things is to not just reach out when you need something because there's a lot of ways that you can devalue those relationships. And one of them is if you're the person that always needs something and yeah. the only time I hear from you is when you need a, when you're looking for a new job or you need something or you need it, like, like fine, that's, that's interesting and I'm happy to help, but it's not as valuable as somebody that just reaches out to say, hi, how are you doing? What's going on? What a crazy mm-hmm. year. So on and so mm-hmm. forth. Like it doesn't have to be a whole lot of substance there. It just has to be a tiny little bit of somebody's thinking about you and just checking in. So <clears throat> the um, the investment that we're talking about, um, I, I would even like there needs to be a, a better word for like a micro investment. Like it's such a sure. low thing, like such a little thing of just like that you need to do, but it goes such a long way. Yeah. Well, I think that. That again, from a strategic look at, it, and as salespeople, as you're looking at your career, not this mm-hmm. job you're in, you're being strategic about it. About it, is you need to sort of continually be assessing who you can help and how you can help them. Exactly. And and yeah, you know, we'll get into a little bit about you know how you do that. But this is, and this is building a point you brought up earlier. So this is how you the perspective you start with is not I'm going to build my network of people who can help me it's who are the people you can help mm-hmm. start there and, and i would argue that's more important the earlier in your career you are and and less obvious so i talked yeah, to people, it's harder it's harder when you're less experienced to understand who you can really help right right but um but the opportunities are still there like there's so many times that i talk to people that are trying to get into an industry or something like that or trying to get sort of started in their career or changing careers even you know, here in New York, we have a lot of like lawyers and finance people that don't want to do that anymore and want to get into startups. <laughs> right. It's probably, it's probably the, the most common category of what I'm talking about here. And, and what I find is always the same thing, which is like, well, understand how to leverage your background and your experience to help somebody that's trying to do something else. Like if you if you are in fine, if you're been at Goldman Sachs for 10 years and you really want to get into something earlier stage, then find some fintech company that you can help just with like an email or a phone call. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple, right? Or if you're earlier in your career, you know, it might just be manual work. It might just be like putting in, you know, elbow grease and getting something done and, and like really trying to help somebody out. And it just goes such a long way because those are the relationships that then last you your entire career. The fact that you went above and beyond and you tried something because most people won't do it. Right. It's going to matter. Yeah. Yeah, and the, absolutely. And the premise, getting back to it, is that it starts with what you can give to somebody else, how you can help somebody else. I mean, I uh, love the word from Keith Ferrazzi's book, uh, Never Eat Lunch Alone, which is 
about this whole thing is uh, the idea of building your network and considering as an asset as he always talks about you know asking people what's the fastest way i can be of service to you or what's the fastest way i can help you mm-hmm. exactly and so you think about that you know you're meeting somebody at a conference and yeah there is some connection there instead of angling to think what they can do for you is ask that question mm-hmm. and then critically follow up well yes that's the other yeah. thing. Follow through, but also follow up. Yeah. Like, do the thing you say, and then, and it could just be two, three weeks later, it could be a month later, whatever it is, just check in. Because uh, serendipity is something that you can actually affect. You can actually make something just happen, just on its yes. own, seemingly. But in reality, it's because you happen to be in their inbox, or wherever, or standing in front of them even, <laughs> And then they're like, oh, who do I know that can do X? Oh, you, right here. This you, person right. I'm looking at right in front of me. Oh, what a, what a random surprise. No, you're absolutely right. I, it's funny. I was thinking about that this morning, actually, when I was, I don't know why, it was in my head when I was out for a run. And, and this idea is that you know, so much of the success, if you're in sales for any length of time, so much of the success you're going to achieve has a strong element of serendipity to it. Mm-hmm. And randomness, yeah. You're serving the right place at the right time. You're at the selling a product that's you know in the right moment at the right time, um, and you need to be prepared to take about you know advantage of that because I think totally. what's the expression? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity or something. But um, but nonetheless, it is. So yeah, following up, being connected, uh, staying in front of people. Yeah, you present yourself with more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and things just happen. Air quotes. Yeah. Air quotes won't quite translate on podcasts, but... No, but you can give air quotes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've written posts in the past about the role of luck and sales, and it always attracts a number of people. It's like, oh, that's such BS, because I'm working hard, and everything I do is a result of the hard work. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not diminishing the hard work. Yeah, we've all worked extremely hard, but you're not being honest with yourself if you claim that everything you've achieved is purely... The result of you know the hard work you put in, not mm-hmm. some degree of like that randomness and things occurring at a certain time. Fantastic! You still have to make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But the opportunities. A, a funny story with um, uh, it happened three or four times where <clears throat> uh, one company we were selling selling a platform for product managers to be able to tap into sort of what the market wants, mm-hmm. the products that they're building. So it's a big problem that um, just about everybody has. So we have to figure out sure. how, do we, how do we focus, who do we target, what do we say, and uh, <clears throat> and what we heard a few times was like I got this email as I was having a conversation, and the conversation mm-hmm. would be like, "How do you know this is going to work?" or like, "Who is this product for?" or whatever it is. Right. And it's like you were listening to me, and like as I was having the conversation, I got this email, and just I had to say yes immediately. Complete cold email, mm-hmm. right? and that would translate into initially two to five hundred thousand dollar annual contracts. One cold email conversion into that, and they're and they're just so blown away. I feel like we were just talking to them one on one, and it was amazing. And one of them, one point, said like how lucky it was that we sent that email to them at that time. And like, That's fine. What they don't know are the two hundred thousand other people <laughs> that got. 
various versions of that email right. at different times and different messaging that didn't work. <laughs> so I guess they were lucky that, or we were lucky that we sent them that email, but in reality, 90 plus percent of it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And you can obviously become more targeted these days with intent data and other things that you got, you know, for six cents and other companies to help you yep. with, uh, with your outreach. But yeah, there's <clears throat> good timing is still very important. Totally. Uh, but if you're not out there, it's not going to happen. It's kind of the yeah, point. If you're not doing it for sure. Right. So, so as I think about, uh, network, you know, one analogy I've used with sellers who are sort of close to the beginning of their career and they're thinking about this ideas is that, you know, network is sort of like building wealth, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I ask, I ask people, you know, what does wealth provide you? And it's, you know, you usually get security and flexibility and, you know, choice. And I think a network does the same thing for you. You know, mm-hmm. it gives you some, some degree of security. Obviously, it's not closing business, but in terms of where there might be opportunities for you, uh, people that are familiar with you, that, that you've given something of value to that might be open to to you helping them with something uh, certainly gives you some flexibility in terms of your choice of careers. Uh, a lot of similar attributes, I think. Totally. Yeah. There's a guy in our, uh, that we <clears throat> pretty close to named David Knorr who writes about this for the last 20 years. And okay. uh, uh, one of his books is relationship capital and, and a few yes. others where he's literally tried to codify how to, how do you invest in your network and how do you build and, and wealth is a is a perfect word for it. Like, how do you build not just value for them and you, but overall, how do you make it into something that is an asset that you can that you can grow? So, what's his best advice on that? I mean, it's it's all kind of common sense stuff that we're talking about. It and the bottom line is just to do it, is to to um, <clears throat> reach out and then figure out how you can help somebody, and then figure out how to translate that into action. And then be methodical in, in following up and understanding something about them and understanding how to help them, more important, most importantly. And then, uh, and then follow through. And when you do it, then make sure to stay in touch. Wow. Sounds like sales. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's, and it, I mean, at one level, it is that simple, right? I mean, I, I simplify a little bit further. I, I say selling is nothing more than listening to truly understand what's the most important thing to somebody else and then helping them get that. Mm-hmm. And if that's your mindset as a seller, you're on the right track because mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. What's important to somebody else? What's the most important thing I can help you with and how can I help you get that? Mm-hmm. And you know, Zig Ziglar said, you know, the more, the more he focused, I, I paraphrase it, but something along the lines of, you know, more he helped, other people succeed than the more success he had. Right. Um, and that certainly is true. And this is, you know, sort of personifies what a network's about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, there is a, the flip side of it, which is a networking has a bad reputation for a reason. Yes. Cause like what we're talking about is, is in my opinion, what you should do, but vast majority of people don't do that. <laughs> well, it's true in, in sales in general, right? I mean, okay. we know, there's no secret about <laughs> what what a, a salesperson should do in order to effectively connect and help someone else. Yet, unfortunately, the vast majority of sellers are trained in a way that's you know opposite to that for me in many intents. Mm-hmm. So, how do you fix that? How do we 
how do we take somebody from, you know, the, the mindset of just like basically spray and pray to <laughs> right. more focused, like authentic relationship building? Well, it starts, it starts with just, in my mind, it starts with what I just told you. If we have to change the mindset. And as a sell, seller, you have to go out into the world when you interact with anyone and say, you know, my job is nothing more than making sure I'm listening to understand what's the most important thing to this person and how can I help them get that. Mm-hmm. And if you start from that mindset, I believe you'll evolve to a point where, yeah, you stay away from the, you're not going to pitch first. You're not, uh, you know, going to pitch before you understand. You're going to be there to help mm-hmm. the buyer achieve what's most important to them. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you're focused on that, that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to, and to me, that's, that's, uh, this sort of, yeah, a more human attribute, we'll call it, right? Totally. As opposed to a lot of traditional sales behavior. So we have to train sellers. Before we give them sales training, I believe, we should train sellers how to be human. <laughs> so the more, the more you do that, the more people you shift over to that mindset, the more they'll need our, our tool set. So I'm all for it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I mean, it's 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 what's needed. I mean, the buyers buyers are saying pretty loud and clear through surveys that you know, various research firms have done and so on is that they don't find a tremendous amount of value in their buying experience with sellers. Mm-hmm. Thus, they feel motivated or compelled to try to do more of it on their own. And I, I try to make a point to people. It's not that buyers don't want to talk to you. They just don't want to talk to you if it's going to be like it's always been. Right. Right. If you're just going to be me oriented and really salesy in the way you deal with them, they don't have time for that because that's has no value for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's, um, I think the nature of selling is changing a lot and the tools that you need to succeed are just, it's just different. It's just different from a numbers game with a traditional mindset of, you know, lead gen, gets you converted into opportunities, gets mm. you converted into deals and 90% attrition at each stage and the rest doesn't matter. So I don't think it's like that anymore. I think it's a combination of product led growth on the one end and then relationship building on the other. Yeah. Well, I think that product led growth is sort of a, a reaction to mm-hmm. a buying experience that companies have had. Uh, and also the nature of the products being sold in, in that range. But yeah, as you get more complex, more costly, risk is still the biggest factor in making a purchase decision. And one of the ways that you uh, mitigate work to mitigate risk is to have a deeper understanding of what it is, the problems you're trying to solve and the potential solutions for it. And yeah. that oftentimes requires you talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And buyers will do that if it's yeah you know, if you can provide a, a return on that investment if they're going to invest their time and attention in you as a seller you have that obligation to provide them a return on that investment. It's a great great point and one of the ways that we found <clears throat> to be pretty successful in that is um, and you can't really say it directly but you can sort of apply it that by talking to us 
um, it may help your career. Well, you gotta make them a hero. Some people like to talk about, yeah. Cool. How do you make your How do you make your buyer the hero? So I mean, that- I mean, more way more individual. So make them a hero yeah. within your organization. But I'm talking about more. You're going to have a conversation with us because we're going to tell you who else is doing something similar. That's great. And hint, hint, you might want to go work there instead. <laughs> true, true. I mean, that certainly has happened. I've experienced that. Uh, but I think also, though, is, is sellers have to so just <laughs> keep in mind that at the end of the day, this is a decision made by people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not algorithmic at this point, though I'm sure some decisions at some level of products are. Uh, and yeah, people still buy from people. Yeah. So you as an element of that, you as a seller as an element of that is still hugely important. In fact, I would argue is going to become more important as we do have more automation in sales and marketing. So you do have more technology playing a role on both the buy side and the sales side. What is going to distinguish the buying experience is going to be the interaction with you, the human. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And people like to buy from people they know as well, because it helps. That's the other thing that's funny about, about relationship building is that if you make an introduction and it doesn't have to be buying, it doesn't have to be that transactional, it doesn't have to be money involved. So let's say you ask me who else should be a guest on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, my friend Susie. Mm-hmm. Definitely talk to Susie. Uh, and then you say, that sounds great. And I send an intro between you and Susie. Like, no, no, nobody benefited economically. Nobody paid for anything. Mm-hmm. But it helps everybody involved. Now it saves a little bit of work for you. It Presumably Susie wants to get out there for some reason. So now I've facilitated two people getting something mm-hmm. out of 10 seconds of effort on my side, right? And right. if Susie had reached out directly, maybe you would have done it, maybe not. But then it's actually more work for you because now you have to go through the process of vetting and doing something. You don't know her. So the, the value of the relationship gets over that initial activation hurdle. Like you're right. now actually listening so if I'm somebody that you already know, and I'm like, oh, by the way, here's this tool, maybe you should buy it, even if I'm selling it to you directly. Like, it's a lot easier than if I'm knocking on the door cold. And yeah. you know, it sounds like an obvious thing, but you know, what that means is the more people you have where it isn't cold, and it doesn't have to be your best friend. It doesn't even have to be a friend at all. It just has to be somebody that you're that in, in your words to be connected with. And I mean, more than LinkedIn, but you know, not necessarily right. on a text message basis. So somebody you can reach out to and they'll take your call that'll, that will actually like have a real conversation with the more of those people, the better off you are as an individual, as a seller, as an executive, as whatever, because they're all kind of selling. Right. Um, and easier. Everything else is going to be. If you're hiring somebody, if you're fundraising, if you're selling a product, if you're, it's all selling. Yeah, well, I wanted to dig into something that you you just talked about because it's I think it's such a key point, and and we didn't maybe weren't explicit enough about it, but is that for me, I think one of the ways, most reliable ways to increase the value of this asset, this network that you have, and and you were just sort of implying it, but I thought you know we just put the the nail on it is is by being a connector. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk to 
or reading an article about somebody who's you know, got this broad network of, of contacts is the one thing they always tell us, say in the article, if let's say if you're reading about it, it's like, this person is the ultimate connector, mm-hmm. right? And you gave an example of that is, you know, you're connecting people that you have nothing at stake financially in connecting these two, but eventually something might come out of that. Perhaps you don't know, but it is elevating the value of your network by doing that mm-hmm. and helping the individuals themselves the and other- helping the individuals themselves. Yeah. And I think that this is, again, it's something that as sellers, you have to sort of think about. I mean, you're, t- you're selling to someone, you're selling to a, a buyer, you're talking to a stakeholder in a decision. And yeah, maybe it's just not just going to be a fit, mm-hmm. but there could be, you can ask the question, you know, how else might it be a service to somebody else that, you know, I could introduce you to that, you know, might be related to what we we're just talking about. Cause you know, we talked to a lot of companies mm-hmm. make the offer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And even if people say no, it's fine. Because now you've planted that in their head. Now it's like, if they ever think of it, they're going to think of you. Yeah. Versus well, if, you, if you treat it completely transactionally, then the easiest path is just to not think of you ever. Not to, <laughs> right. not to right. even worry about it and just completely right. forget and move on. So, so the, other, the other thing here that, that um, you know, we're labeling as selling, but like really it's, it's about behavior change. It's about you're, you're getting somebody to do something different from what they did yesterday. Yesterday, yes. they didn't use your product. You want them to use your product today. Mm-hmm. So why are they going to change? And, and risk is definitely the reason they're not going to change. One mm-hmm. of the many reasons. Uh, inertia and all this other stuff. Because it's like you have to give them a reason to do it. So, um, <clears throat> you know, if, if yesterday they didn't think of you, today you want them to think of you. Like, how do you do that? How what are the right. little things you can do? Um, because <clears throat> what a lot of people think of is um, is their own self view. Like, the, oh, uh, they, I'm I'm the best, so therefore they should always think of me. Like, yeah, it's not really how it's going to work. Like, you need to spoon feed right. people the cues. Like, oh, well, when you have this problem, then you know here's the solution. You may not have this problem now, but like. If you want to connect with, like in this case, like to make it to make it uh, more concrete, it's like if you want to connect with other industry leaders about this kind of thing that are looking at the same kind of problem, maybe you can share notes or whatever in a non-competitive way. Mm-hmm. Like most people are going to say yes to that because well, and it helps them. Yeah, it helps them. I mean, the the simplest way, and I mean, the tool exists for sellers to sort of have that. I don't say aura, but does have customers view them as a source of value, mm-hmm. potential value is, you know, LinkedIn is a perfect platform for that. You know, if mm-hmm. you're creating content, uh, I, I believe individual sellers need to be creating content, need to be creating a sharing, a point of view about their business, the work they do, because yeah, data just came out I don't know, earlier this year or a year ago from uh, the rain group that did a pretty broad survey, you know, 82% of, Buyers look up a seller's LinkedIn profile before they talk to them for the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's people want to see who you are and what you stand for. I mean, it's it's you know, businesses really become. We talk about it's, it's sort of ironic that people talk. Some group of people trying to downplay the value of relationships, but when you look at that stat, what you're saying is, well, it's business is becoming more personal. 
Mm-hmm. Not more less. Human. More human. And so you need to show that. And that's never been easier to do it as a seller. I mean, easier meaning the tool exists. You still have to put in the time and effort uh, to do it. But it doesn't take a lot of time to sort of post a few lines and say, yeah, this is what I'm thinking about this. This is what happened to me today. This is, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, anonymous customers working on the challenge they had. This is how we solved it. All valuable stuff. Yeah. And what we found is, uh, it's kind of funny. So <clears throat> in an effort to humanize a lot of the stuff, humor goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of people may, are afraid of becoming or seeming self-promotional. So they don't really talk about a lot of the stuff. But uh, a lot of people share memes. So we actually have a person on staff whose job is making effectively work-related memes. Mm. If you go to Strata on LinkedIn, um, very least LinkedIn, Instagram, and I think Facebook, like it's just, it's things you can post things that are useful, things that are funny, things that are absolutely safe for the work environment, but hilarious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of the communication is really that it's just like visual, short form, easy, funny, relatable. And, um, and I found that to be just the, the absolute best way to communicate a lot of these things, because it's just, it takes the conversation to a, to a different level, right? It it knocks Mm -hmm. it down from like, Oh, let me show you my formal proposal and discuss this to this. Like, it's like, no, the meeting is a few minutes late. Like, here's what you sent. Right. Right. Or I think it's a great idea. Like the one uh, we just posted is, uh, it's a guide to how to how to shake hands because we've forgotten how to do it. <laughs> <In> the, <laughs> that's yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm just laughing because I <laughs> met up with some people a couple of days ago, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, what do we do?" <laughs> Everybody sort of sitting there staring at each other. Uh, yeah, we fist bump, shake hands. Uh, what? And you are, you are, everybody, you are. and sort of self recognition, everybody laughed at it because, yeah, it's been turned on and said, we don't really know. That is the article. I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Thor, we've run out of time, but uh, appreciate you coming by, talking to us. And so, if people want to learn more about Strata, mm-hmm. how can they do that? Go to strata.cc. Um, and uh, from there, you'll find everything you need. And then <clears throat> currently, we're rolling out. A few new products. So, if anybody that's listening wants uh, wants early access, have them just email me directly at thoratstrata.cc. That's going to mm-hmm. be the most direct, and just mention the podcast, and uh, and we'll get them set up. Perfect. All right. Well, Thor, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Andy. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Thor Ernstson, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>